the Lord put in a message on my heart. I was actually invited to speak uh, by Pastor Norm, uh, you know, before he went on vacation and he was setting his things up. I was going to be on vacation. I thought this would be great. I'll put a message together while I'm on vacation and and it'll be awesome. And, and I, you know, one week goes by and I wasn't really working on it. Finally, I ended up getting to it while we were driving. I'm rattling stuff off back and forth to my wife and she's chatting me. So last week, Pastor Tony gets up here and he gives an awesome message on perseverance, on, on uh, building our faith and preserving our faith and protecting our faith. And I'm going through, I'm saying to Hannah, I'm like, uh, that, that's my point. Wait, wait, no, that's, that's my other point. So he just preached my entire sermon. So afterward, I'm like, Pastor Tony, that's my whole sermon. And uh, what am I going to do? But no, I, I, I already knew that, uh, you know, as I was praying through this week, you know, I'm like, Lord, do I, do I change it? Do I do something different? And, and I, I feel that he still wants me to deliver the message. My points are a little different, and uh, we're going to hit things from a little bit of a different angle. But we're still talking about perseverance. We're still talking about preserving our faith, building our faith, and, and that's something that it really is something that has to be preserved, something that has to be protected, and, and we're going to get into some of those reasons why. But I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer this morning, if you wouldn't mind, and uh, let's, let's uh, seek the Holy Spirit's uh, just guidance. Holy Spirit, I just pray you come down and take control of every word that I speak. I pray that no words that come out of my mouth are mine. I pray that they are straight from you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd go before me, that you'd prepare the hearts of, of myself, open my ears, open all of our ears, open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray that we would be doers, not, not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word, and that these, these things would, would make lasting changes, that these words would make lasting changes in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have three points that I want to make this morning, and, and it's, we're still talking about perseverance. It's kind of, like I said, it's kind of a continuation of what Pastor Tony was speaking on last week. Persevering. Perseverance implies that things are going to be hard. Life's hard, isn't it? We have hard things. We have bad things. We have terrible things that happen, tragic things that happen that we have no explanation for. God knows. I mean, he, he could give us an explanation. But things that we just can't fathom, things that we go through that are impossibly hard to deal with. So the three points, perspective is one of them, the even-if factor is what I'm going to call the second one, and to stand. So we're going to start with perspective, because perspective, I think, is a, is a really important place to start. How we see things, the way that we perceive something, and the way somebody else perceives it can be completely different, right? It, it depends on where you're, where you're standing, what angle you're looking at it what your mood is, what your frame of mind is. One, one minute, you, you know, that looks like a great idea. Maybe if you're not in a good mood, you look at it and it's like, that's a terrible idea. You know, so you have this, this vacillation of perspective. God can see every perspective, every outcome, every possibility, every angle, every, every eventuality. It's all within God's perspective. Everything's covered. Now, I've seen a meme on the old Facebook and it was, uh, it was a picture uh, of a guy that was getting out of a car, and they had, a, they had an angle of him from the side, and it looked like he was using some uh, inappropriate hand language, and he had an angry look on his face, you know, from this one perspective. And in the same moment, another camera caught him from a completely different, about 90 degrees the other way, and you could see that he was clearly not using anything inappropriate with his hand, and he actually didn't look angry at all. It was just the way that they caught him completely distorted what was happening in the situation. 
Again, sometimes it's just a matter of where, how we're looking at it or where we're, where we're looking. Perspectives can change everything. And I feel that sometimes, especially as Christians, we, we give up too soon on God. Right? We're expecting something to happen. Maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's a healing that we're waiting for. It's something that we're waiting, that we need. It's something that we're, we're expecting. And, and we, we, we just, we give up too soon. You know, we, don't, we don't follow through. We don't push through. And we, we can lose perspective. Sometimes we need to back up and try to see it the way God sees it, or ask God to reveal to us through his eyes, give us some understanding, give us some perspective, some of his perspective on the situation. There are things that are going to happen that we're not going to understand. There's things that are going to happen that, that, we, that, that we just simply aren't going to fathom this side of eternity. I, I truly believe that. If you can sit down and explain every single thing that happens around you, then let's have a chat afterward because I would like to know quite a few things. God's never caught unaware. You know, God is supposed to be, right, in our Christian walk, right, he's supposed to be walking with us or carrying us, like the, like the footprints in the sand, you know, picture, carrying us through this life. You know, God's not a crutch, because I hear that from lots of people. God's just a crutch that you use to get, you know, no, 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 God is our strength. He is our power. He is what gets us through the hard times that we can't understand, that we can't explain. But nothing catches someone under, unaware. It's not like, you know, one of those, those funny videos you see somebody walking and then bam, they run into a sign, you know, or something. It does not happen to God. Nothing catches him unaware. He knows what has happened in the past. He knows what's happening now. And he knows what's going to happen in the future. And he can tie it all together in some kind of logical manner. And it all makes sense. I can't do that. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. You know, I know this scripture a lot of times is used, to, it's talking about sin in our life, you know, the hidden sin. God sees everything, you know, it's, it's nothing is hidden from his eyes, the secrets, all that stuff. But this also applies, because I mean, that's kind of like the scary thing, God's watching everything you're doing. It shouldn't be scary, right? But it also applies to God knowing the hurt that's in our life. It applies to God knowing the fear and the loss and the hardship, the difficult things that you're going through. He knows about that job that you've been praying for and that you're looking for. He knows about that healing that that you need, that you desire, that you've, again, been praying for. He knows the relationship that you're looking for. He knows about the financial struggle that you're having or the things that you need to survive. And I think... Again, relating this to, to perseverance and also perspective, sometimes it's us knowing that God can see these things coming that maybe gets us upset sometimes. Like, God's seen this happening, then why didn't he do something about it? God knew this was going to happen. Why didn't he derail me from that path? Or why didn't he set this? Why didn't he control it? Why didn't he stop it? You know, I had a friend recently, who is not, is not a Christian. He doesn't know the Lord. He was clearly angry and distraught and, uh, and hurt. And, and he said, I believe if there is a God out there, if there is a God, he just doesn't care. He's not involved. He doesn't care. Because what benevolent God would allow this horrible thing to happen or this tragic thing to happen? What God would allow this? If God exists 
and created all of these things and allows these things, I don't want to know them. I don't want any part of them. And, and that's, that's harsh. I mean, hearing that, obviously, because, you know, I have absolute faith in God and I, I, I see these things too. And, and, and sometimes I'm like, I wish I could give the answer of like, well, this is, this is why. I mean, I can, I, can under, I can explain the basis to reason, sin, and we, we can, we can, which is important. Not, not trying to, 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 to discount that, but we can take it right back to Genesis and well, the reason why things are the way they are is because sin entered. That doesn't really help the, the, the argument. It doesn't help them get over that hardness, it does, that, that hardship. It doesn't help them through their grieving process to just say, well, it's sin. There you go, take it. That's, that's, that's not going to help them. The problem with those situations, the hardships we go through, is that we see such a small a small piece of the puzzle of life. And God can see everything and how it all interconnects. Every one of you and how you interconnect in your lives, home and work and families and relationships, everything, how it all interconnects. He knows where it was, how it got there, and where it's going. He can see every piece. For us, we live within this fog of war. I mean, every day is a battle. We have no idea what's coming next. On your way home, you're going to get a flat tire. I mean, we don't... We have no idea what's going to happen next. The future is hazy and unclear. Only God can shed light on those things. We don't know the details. We don't know the whole plan. What we do know is what's written in this book. We know and stand on every single promise that is in this book. As believers, we have to trust. We must trust the plan. We must have faith and maintain that faith at all costs. That, that, that faith has to be maintained. And I, I feel, we, 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 again, we, we quit too early. We, ha- we have this, again, the, this healing we're looking for or this, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a fine, I, I don't know, whatever it is that we're, that we're believing in and then we just we, we give up because it, it didn't happen fast enough. It didn't happen when we wanted it to. We, we, have, to, we have to follow through. We have to persevere through that. However, takes me to my second point. I'm going to call it the, the even-if factor. And we're going to jump to a, a story in, in, uh, in Daniel. I believe most of us know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, but there's a little point I want to make about the story, so I'm not going through the whole thing. But there was a hefty fine to not bowing down to this golden statue that, that Nebuchadnezzar made. And, and that fine was, you know, basically a horrible death by fire and, you know, not, not cool at all. And I know a lot of times we look at these like it's just a Bible story, but these, these, it's not really, it does it injustice to call it a story. It is a biblical history. This is real people that lived in a real society, a very tyrannical society, that uh, uh, obviously led by King Nebuchadnezzar, and it was bad. I mean, you're, you're, it would be just like, I guess you could liken it to being at home and the police in the area don't like the fact you're worshiping and laws changed or whatever. They come rip you out of your home and then they you know, burn you in front of everybody. Um, that's, this was real. These guys lived this. So this, this, was their, this was their life. So this was not some kind of super easy decision. I realized because of their resolve and because of their faith in God that for them it was an easy, it's like, well, come what may, this is what's going to happen. So we're going to read Daniel 3, uh, verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said, Uh, to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. 
when you hear the sound of the, or when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And here's the, the thing that I think is important to, to take away from that. And I think in, in the church, I mean, not our church, but like Big C, the, the church as a whole, worldwide, is we've had kind of a sickness that's, that's grown, almost a cancer, if you will, that's grown in the church. We have this show-me attitude towards God. Show me that you can do these things, and then I'll, then I'll worship, then I'll believe, then I'll, then I'll have faith, then I'll serve you. And I'll do the, you know, I'll follow all the things in Scripture that you want me to do. We have, we have like this, this like God owes us, right? We have like this, this attitude, God owes us this, and then we will. I mean, I know there's Scripture that says, what is it? A wicked and perverse generation asks for a sign. Show me, God, that that you'll do this. It's kind of like when you go up to the Burger King window and you, you know, order all your stuff, and then when you get to the the you know, pay window to get your food and, and everything. If it takes more than 45 seconds to get those demands, you know, it's like, what's going on? It's taking too long. I gotta get going. I did that this morning. Picked up the girl some Timbits and I'm like, I gotta preach this morning and this is taking way too long. What's going on? It took 15 minutes to go three cars and like, but we do that to God. I, I feel quite often we, we list our demands. We don't make requests. We list our demands. And then it doesn't happen. Maybe it doesn't happen the way we expect it to. It doesn't happen fast enough. It doesn't happen the way that, uh, that, um, that it happened for these people or, 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 or whatever. These three gentlemen's resolve to stand their ground was even if. And I think that's the important thing to note. Verse 17, it says, if we are thrown into the furnace. And then 18, it says, if God doesn't show up, we still will not bow. Even if. We have hard things we go through. And even if, on this side of eternity, God does not fulfill that healing or that, that thing that we're expecting, I will not bow. I will still serve my Father in heaven. Once again, as believers, we must trust and we must believe so much so that even if, even if, like I said, we never get that healing. Even if we never get that job, even if we lose every single penny we have, even if all of our friends and those closest to us pass on, we won't bow. There's some things that we're just simply not going to receive this side of eternity. I know we, uh, and, and I'm, I, I, this is, we're Pentecostals. We believe in healing. We do not come to a Pentecostal church and not expect. Okay, come expecting. Come expecting healing. Come expecting to be set free because that's what happens when the power of God comes down. You will be set free. You will be healed. That's our, that's our faith. That's what we believe. That's what we stand on. Those are promises. But there's some healings that we just simply won't receive on this side of eternity. I mean, we're, uh, I, I guess if you look at it this way, that we're, we're not going to get out of this life alive. So, you know, we're, we're going to die at some point. So even if we get healed, it's not stopping the, uh, the clock. You know, it's not stopping aging. 
You know, we still get old, we're still going to pass on. Um, things, some things won't be fulfilled until the other side. Even our heroes in Scripture knew this. You read all, all about that. That's perseverance. Doing and standing even if. Pushing through those hardships, living with those hardships sometimes. And that takes me to my, my last point, to stand. You know, living through struggles, living through hardship, dealing with hard things, dealing with heinous things, terrible things, horrible things, but preserving your witness. Continuing to be an effective mouthpiece for God while going through those things can be the greatest witness that a Christian can have. Because you are looked at under more of a spotlight than anybody else. Because you are the leadership of this world. Being a Christian gives you a step up. Like, just like that. We have the Holy Spirit. Who else has that? We get caught up waiting for whatever it is we're praying for. If we're waiting for our healing or waiting for our answer, whatever it is, sometimes we miss opportunities. And I, I think that's, that's tragic because those opportunities could speak into that person's life or those, those, those opportunities could be the time that this person's on the edge, whatever they're on the edge of, and you're able to talk them back down and bring them back around. And they can see your hardship and they see you walking through your hardship. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy. I don't want to discount the difficulty but again, the word perseverance implies difficulty. It's hard. Being a Christian is hard. No one ever said it was going to be all cherries and candy. All right? If they told you that, then they were selling the wrong thing. Life is hard. God is there to get us through it. If we could do it on, their own, on our own, then why did we need God? Right? God is there to walk us through those hard times. If people see us walking with God, if they see God carrying us through that, that gives honor. That doesn't give honor to you. That gives honor to God because they see, them, see God walking you through those hard things, then they're going to be like, wait a second, what, is, what do you have that I don't have? But when you're a Christian and you're walking around with those hardships looking like everyone else does, why would they want that? They already have it. It isn't any different. So while we're waiting on God, sometimes all that there is left to do is to stand. Once you've done everything else, we've prayed. We've acted on our faith and put feet behind it, right? Faith without works is dead. We put faith, or we put, we put faith in motion. We put feet behind it. We put works behind it. We prayed. And then sometimes after you've done all of that, all you have left to do is to stand. Stand your ground. Stand firm on the promises that are on, in the scripture and push forward. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. It doesn't say you might be. It says you will be standing firm. Put on the armor, you will stand firm. The devil has no power over God. I like that song we were just singing. It might look like I'm surrounded, but no, I, I'm surrounded by God. He's the one that's carrying me through this. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. And the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows from the de or of the devil. Put on the uh, salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, after having done all to stand. When we have done everything we can do, we stand. 
Sometimes the best defense is a really strong offense. I know this. I teach people to fight. When I'm dealing with a big guy, my best bet isn't to get farther away because it hurts more out there. Get in close. Deal with them up close. Much better to deal with them there. Push in towards the enemy. Push through defeat. And you, and you push. So sometimes that's our best. Our best. Don't, don't go back. Go forward. Go forward. Stand. In the famous words of Rocky Balboa, I didn't hear no bell ring. Right? Got one more round. One more round. We can always handle another round. And after that round is over, we can handle one more round. If God is with us, if he's surrounding us, one more round. So my soft, my soft closing, I'll call it my soft closing. And we usually have five or six, right? I realize some of these things are kind of hard to hear because I'm not really giving an explanation of, okay, this bad thing happened and this is why. I'm not giving you whys and I'm not giving you what fors. So it may sound, you know, like I'm trying to cheat you out of something there, but, you know, maybe you want me to say, well, let's, maybe we should look at, you know, talk, talking about perspective, maybe we should look at all the good things. You know, let's find God and all these things and let's, look, look, let's find all the flowers and rainbows and everything, which I believe is absolutely fine. There is a time for finding the flowers and the rainbows in bad situations. Absolutely. Certainly. There's a time for that. But what do you tell the parents of a child that's been raised up? I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) It's different when you have little ones. But what do you tell them when they have that loss and they've been praying through it, right? You know, believing with you there's going to be a healing and then it doesn't happen. They're gone. Or the children that lose their parents, maybe it's a drunk driver, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's, I have no idea what it is. But they lose. And, and that, that healing never came, that, that, that prayer, you know, where was God, right? What do we do with the children that, that have gone through horrible abuse? And what do we tell them in those situations? That there was a reason for that? Is that really the right thing to say? Give them some kind of cliche like, well, you know, this and that. It's the last thing you want to do. Sometimes all we can do is stand. We stand on the promises. We stand on the scriptures. When we're going through those things, we stand on the promises. We stand on the scriptures. And we know that God does have a plan. We have to have faith that God has a plan. Everything that is evil can and will be turned to good. Sometimes all we can do is stand and believe. We are soldiers of the cross. I don't know who said that earlier. I think it was Pastor Roger. We are soldiers of the cross. We have marching orders. Those don't change just because bad things happen. Ultimately, whatever your, your individual calling is, everyone has a calling on their life. I, I truly believe that. But whatever your individual calling is, we are all called to go into the world to preach the gospel. We're all called to evangelize to some extent. That's the job of every single Christian. Bad things do happen. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Um, Rachel, if you wouldn't mind coming up for me. So, I will share in closing here this morning uh, a little story. 
so that I can give you my, and I can't explain other people's reasons why and what for certain things happen, but I, I want to share a little more of a testimony, not really a story, of a why and a what for reason in my life and in, in my wife's life, uh, life. And I had permission from Hannah to share this today because hopefully it'll help one of you, and she is more than happy to talk with you individually in more detail about this, and, and that's uh, absolutely fine. We'd, we'd be happy to do that. So, when Hannah was quite a bit younger, quite young, she was, uh, after tests, you know, doctors doing all their tests and checking things out, she was told that she couldn't have children. Impossible to have children. And uh, as she, you know, grew older, she lived with this, got prayed for, asked for healings, prayed, 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 you know, sought God's, God's face. And, and this, was, this was devastating because she was definitely... Like, if, if I've known anyone to be called to be a mom, it is, it is definitely uh, my wife. She is an awesome mom. And even from a young age, I mean, I hear the stories from her sisters, and, you know, just, just a mothering person, like, destined to be a mom, you would, you would, you would think. And the doctors told her it's not, it's not possible. So if you fast forward a little ways, Hannah and I got married. I, you know, we obviously knew this going into, into marriage, and... We were both excited to start a family and to raise kids together. And we knew that this was going to be, you know, a, a mountain that we were going to have to climb together. And, you know, we discussed different options. There's traditional adoption. We talked about doing the fertility clinic things and, you know, going to doctors and um, doing foster care. So we, we discussed the, the various options and did end up, you know, going to a doctor. We kind of started there we, you know, as we were researching other things and praying about it and seeking God's uh, direction. And we ended up at one of the visits, the, the doctor, after doing a number of tests and whatnot, announces, like, quite excitedly, hey, you guys are all set. Whatever was broken is fixed. It's healed. And you guys are all set. You can have kids. Everything's good. Whatever was broken was self-healed. Of course, we're like, I didn't self-heal. God healed it. You know, this is awesome. <laughs> Well, fast forward a couple more months. I think it was two or three months later. We go in. It's another visit. And the doctor's going through different things. And um, kind of like halfway through the doctor's visit, kind of nonchalantly, he's like, oh, by the way, I was wrong. You know, you can't have kids. I, you know, sorry. And then, you know, it didn't, like it didn't really mean anything. And uh, you know, as I remember Hannah coming home, you know, just devastated. You know, getting great news. Like, yes, all right, cool. And then this, like, shattering news. Like, well... Now what? And ironically, not, not ironically, you know, everything has an appointed time, but there was going to be family camp happening the next week, and we, I know we just had our family camp here a couple, a couple weeks ago at Lost Valley, but there was a family camp going on. This was about five years ago, and Reverend Joe Phillips, who was actually the same guy that preached at this last family camp, he was going to be there um, you know, five years ago to speak, and there's a little backstory on, on that. And that's uh, Reverend Joe Phillips. It was during a teen camp. He, had, uh, he, was, he was speaking at Lost Valley several years before this. And he had, there was an altar call. Uh, one of Hannah's sisters had, had developed some tumors on her back that were becoming you know, pretty debilitating. It was affecting her walking. Um, I, I don't know exactly what was, the plans were with the doctors on, on fixing that. And, and all, but there's, there's you know, uh, definitely clinical evidence of these tumors being there. And, uh, during this teen camp, altar call was, was, was given. 
uh, the sister comes up, Hannah lays hands on her, goes up and lays hands on her, on her sister. Reverend Joe lays hands on her, and Hannah felt the tumors melt away and disappear, and they were gone. So definite miracle, which is awesome. Awesome miracle. And so having this memory and, and being, you know, being used in, in that healing and, and, you know, now you fast forward a number of years and Pastor Joe is going to be at camp and um, Hannah just, she felt, that just not, and again, not because the Lord used Reverend Joe in a healing, again, it's not, it's not like that, you know, he's like some special healer. We know that the Holy Spirit, you know, God is sovereign, gifts of the Spirit are, are given as the, as the Holy Spirit sees fit. Sometimes he uses people in healings over and over again. Sometimes it's a one-time deal and God never uses you that way again. It, it's, it's, that's up to God. So it wasn't that. It's just she felt that the healing was going to happen on this camp. It just, she felt it in her heart of hearts, just in her spirit, I'm going to get healed. And she was excited about it. I remember just even the nervous excitement before camp, before she goes, and, you know, we're getting ready to go. You know, we get in the car, we go, and it's just that, that, that excitement when you're anticipating something. I think we should have every time we come to church, right? We should be anticipating and excited because God is going to do something awesome every time. Never, never come in a melancholy state because you're going to be, you're going to be surprised. So anyway, she gets there, the altar call is given, she comes up to get prayed for, and the healing doesn't happen. I mean, she just, she can tell. It just didn't, it didn't happen. And so again, just pretty disappointed. But a little later that night, her sister Sandy actually approached her and said, you know, uh, Hannah, I, I don't want you to be angry with me, but I really feel the Lord has told me not to pray for your body to be healed, but rather for your heart to be healed. Which obviously is not exactly, you know, what she wanted to hear, but I think she knew she needed to hear that, and that's when the healing really began. That's when God changed something in Hannah, it was really a, a release of the Spirit. And if you know us at all, you can see several of our whys and what fours running around. <laughs> and we really, I mean, we're, we're certain that that, that, is, that was the answer from God. This, this, is the, this is the whys and this is the, the what fours. This is the, the reason that that hardship happened. And you now here you go. And that's, uh, that's exciting. That's it's, it's really exciting. We, again, we feel, we feel complete. It's not like something is, is, is missing because we haven't given birth naturally. I'm not saying that if we somehow got pregnant that we'd be disappointed, but it's, we're, not, we're not seeking it. We, again, we're, we're, just, we're, we're so happy and so blessed to have our, our babies. And the thing is, you may not know your why and your what for in whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever your mountain is in your life. But God does have a why, and he does have a what for. And whether you know it on this side of eternity or not, trust and have faith. Trust the plan. Follow the plan. God will never, ever steer you wrong. He has your best interests in mind, and he can see what's going out in the front of you. He can see that cliff that you're coming up against, and we can't. We live in that fog of war. So my, my final statement, I guess, this morning is, is persevere. Seek God's perspective in all of your battles. Trust even if, even if. And once you've done all that you can, stand. 